Now, I hope that worship was encouraging to you. It's been so encouraging to me to just take a time out of the routine and the schedule of life and worship and sing and thank God for who He is and what He has done for us and what He's going to do through us. And this morning, we're starting a brand new series called How to Be Victors. It's all about how you have victory in what Christ has done for you and what he's going to do through you. I know some of you may not feel that right now as you're facing unprecedented challenges in your personal lives, but man, you are a victor through Christ. And as we were thinking about the series that we have lined up and, and all the options we had sort of outlined out, this one just was the the clear winner as to what God wanted us to talk about in the next couple weeks. We're going to walk through a couple weeks looking at this topic of how you have victory through Christ, how you are a victor through what he's done in you and through you. We're really pumped about it. And today we're going to jump into a passage in 1 John chapter 5. It's all the way at the back of your Bibles. If you're flipping in a Bible, if you're scrolling on an app, well, just, just search it. That's the easiest thing about scrolling on an app. And we're also going to look at Daniel chapter 3, which is about the middle of your Bible. Two amazing passages that I think are really going to encourage you and fill you with hope. And uh, before we do that, could you just quiet your hearts and let's, let's just pray together. Dear God, we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to worship together. We'd rather be all together in the same room blowing the roof off this place, but we are so glad that nothing can keep us from worshiping you. That through your spirit, we are connected in heart and soul to you and to each other. We ask that you would do something spectacular this morning in our lives and in our church and in our community. That you would be working through this technology in our online location to make a huge difference and impact in people's lives. We need it. We don't need more of us. We need you. Would you give encouragement to those who are discouraged this morning? Would you use your word to give strength to those who are feeling weak? To give, to give courage to those who are wrestling with fear? To give, just to give us what we need for today and for tomorrow. We thank you that that's a promise we have in you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We thank you for the cross and the empty tomb which has sealed our victory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're jumping into these two passages that I'm really excited to talk about in this brand new series. You ever have somebody say, there's just something you got to know about me? There's something, you... it's usually a pretty intense moment, right? Somebody says, Hey, by the way, um, there's just something that you need to know about me. Instantly, we're a little nervous when we hear those words. We're a little intrigued. Our curiosity spikes upward. What do you mean? There's something I didn't know about you? What do you, what do you mean? There's something I missed about you? There's something you haven't been telling me? There's something really important that requires this serious moment where you settle me down and say, wait a second. There's just something you got to know about me. 
I will make a phenomenal hashtag, by the way, played out on social media and in the chat section. Hashtag something you got to know about me. It's sharing something, some piece of our lives that maybe not everybody knows. I, I guarantee you this, it would take off because people are just genuinely curious about the information that is just not on the surface for everybody else. You see, you want to start talking about what's really going on in your life and in your heart, who you really are, then I'm all ears. And I'm guessing you're all ears too. Something you got to know about me. Usually that's followed by a pretty serious statement, like something really meaningful that defines the person. And yes, yeah, sometimes it's followed by something silly or ridiculous, like, hey, there's something you got to know about me. I like peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. You weirdo. So weird. But most of the time, it's followed by something like really serious and deep, a, a part of someone's identity. You, you know what makes me even more nervous than, hey, there's something you got to know about me? Is when somebody says, hey, there's something you got to know about you. I mean, talk about poking at your vulnerability. Talk about making you feel a little defensive and nervous. What are you going to say about me that I, that I missed? What are you going to say about me that I need to know? Hey, there's something you got to know about you. But it's true that, that sometimes there's stuff in our own lives we miss about us. We don't see it in ourselves. It's because we all have blind spots. I mean, you have blind spots that you don't see, that other people in your life see in you. You, you even have blind spots that you don't see and other people don't see in you. It's okay we all got them. There's something you got to know about you. That's why that thing, that statement, it can make us so nervous. It, it feels like our lives are laid open in front of the person saying it to us. There's something you got to know about you. We, we miss stuff sometimes. We miss stuff about us that that would be essential to know, that, that would be essential to remember, that would really help us in tough moments and in tight spots. We miss stuff sometimes. And sometimes we can't afford to miss stuff that is in our blind spot. And now is one of those moments where we, you, you can't afford to miss this thing about you. It's a big deal. It's a big deal when you missed it and when somebody else sees it in you and points it out. I can't tell you how many times I'm scrolling social media or I see something about somebody or their personality or their giftedness. I think, man, they don't even see that about themselves. I think about times in my own life where people saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. In myself, it's a really big deal when you start to realize the big piece of your identity, your character, your giftedness, 
a, a beautiful thing about who you are and how God has wired you. It's a really big deal when you missed it before and then all of a sudden it is made known to you. Sometimes we miss it and sometimes we can't afford to miss it. And this is a big deal. Now is the time where we can't afford to miss what ends up being in our blind spot so often as we're going through difficult times. You, you are a victor through faith. Victory is yours. You see, in 1 John it says this in, in chapter 5. It's, a, it's an awesome passage and we'll focus on verses 4 and 5. It says, it says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Like circle that word overcomes. It's going to be really important. We're going to see it four times in the beginning of this passage and three times in these two verses. Write it down, mark it up, scratch it on your countertop or I don't know. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome, circle it again. This is the victory that has overcome the world. You ready for it? You ready? You ready? Even our faith, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. In verse 5, as if to add emphasis to that verse that is so powerful and stands all by itself, it says this, who is it that overcomes the world? Like, you miss it? <laughs> Did you miss it about you? Is this in your blind spot? Hey, if you just, if you were thinking about your grocery list while we just read that verse, if you were trying to wrestle a kid to the floor <laughs> to get a lollipop from him as you Miss that, like, who is it that overcomes? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's your faith. Your faith makes you a victor. It seals your victory. There's three overcomes in this passage. One of them is past tense. It's the one right in the middle. And two of them are present tense. This is so important for us to understand. The past tense means you already won. Victory is already yours. You don't have to do anything about it. You win. You, print the jerseys. You know how they print the, the t-shirts and the hats? They have two sets of t-shirts and hats when it comes Super Bowl time or World Series time. Waiting for the last game. The, these two sets of boxes and whoever wins, they'll rip out the pre-printed hats and shirts and they'll put them on. Go birds, by the way. I hope we get back to it this fall. And uh, they'll put them on. I was funny about what they do with the other ones. They just throw them out or burn them. I don't know what they do with the other jerseys. But like the other t-shirts and hats. There, there's only one set of t-shirt and hat claiming victory and that you are the champions. Like we are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting till the end. There's one set and if you're a person of faith, it's your t-shirt. It's your hat. 
Because the victory is already won. It says it in verse 1. Like, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And because of that, past tense overcome. You're a victor. If you have met Jesus in this moment where you have given him your life at the cross. And you've accepted his invitation to come to him and to find life and forgiveness in him. If you've had that moment where you have become a resurrection person, saying, I believe that the empty tomb is my hope, that Jesus was was killed on a cross for me and rose again for me. If you've had that moment of faith where you have tied your life in giving it to Christ, to what he has done for you, it's past tense one, the jersey's yours. Put the t-shirt on. You're a victor in Christ. But then there's two other overcomes. You see, some of us, some of you, you... You, you got it. The victory's won. Yeah, ultimately, heaven is mine. Eternity is mine. A much better world than existence is mine. One day, everything's going to be made whole. And yet, you still walk around defeated. Don't feel bad. I do it too. We walk around so easily knocked off course and beaten down by our circumstances. How easy it is for fear to grip us and overtake us. How quickly we look at our circumstances and, 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 and give away our peace because of what's going on around us. So how quickly we become not just discouraged, everybody gets discouraged, but how we end up living in discouragement and walking in discouragement and living in defeat and walking in defeat as if our circumstances have more power over our souls than God does. As if a virus could really bring us down and defeat us. We walk around defeated. But really, two of these overcomes are present tense. It means you won and you're winning. You see, that's true. Because in all things, God is working together for the good of those who love him. It's true because God wants to do something in your life, in the midst of your circumstances, to fortify your heart, to strengthen your soul, to make you light in the darkness. It's true because of what he wants to do in you if your life belongs to him and what he wants to do through you. You're a victor and I'm tired of walking around in defeat when I have the jersey that says I'm the champ. See, not only have you won because of what Christ has done for you, but you are winning because of what Christ has done and is doing in you and what he's doing through you. The cross, it's where it all starts. And his spirit that he gives to you through faith working in your heart is how the winds keep on stacking up. You don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control because of who God has made you and who he is making you. You are a victor. We're, we won... And we're still winning. You watch. 
You watch the celebration even when life gets tough. You watch us celebrate even when the circumstances get difficult. You watch how quickly we bounce back up after we fail. How, how quickly we are reoriented with hope and love and peace in the midst of darkness. We are people of hope and victory because of our faith. It's an amazing thing. I wish you all would taste it. And if you've been messing around with this idea of faith, but not really willing to jump in, you're missing out. You're missing out. In the speech that we, we classify in our Bible chapters in John chapter 16 as the grief to joy speech. It's one of the last speeches Jesus was giving the disciples. He talks about how their grief will turn to joy, how they'll miss him, but eventually it'll, it'll work out. He ends that passage in John chapter 16, 33 with one of my favorite verses. It'd be one to memorize. I stink at memorizing, but you know, I, I probably should try. Maybe I should try to memorize this one. I don't know. Maybe just make a cool tattoo. No, I didn't say that. Don't, don't start an argument about tattoos. I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. What he says is supposed to affect your heart. And then he said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He's overcome the world. It's almost like he's saying, like, listen, trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. You, you better, you, listen, remember who I am. And remember who you are in me. Trouble's coming. <laughs> we know we're in the midst of it. We're in the midst of the trouble right now. It's, it's not just coming. It's here. And we can't miss it. Now more than ever, we got to see who we are through Christ. We need to remember who he is and who we are in him. And we are victors through what he has done and through who he has made us. We are the victors. You want to know how to be a victor? <laughs> it's not about getting a name change. It's about having your name being found in him. Daniel tells some absolutely incredible stories in the book of Daniel. And in chapter 3, you get the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you've heard this story, maybe not. I'm really jealous if you haven't heard this story yet because, man, this one is just absolutely incredible. King Nebuchadnezzar was the Persian king, and he had taken captive a bunch of Jews, and three of those Jews that he had taken captive, he, he took the best of the best and put them in his court, and three of them were renamed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were, who were captives, who were serving the king, and actually in charge and put over regions and, and serving him. So, King Nebuchadnezzar, in the end of chapter 2, had just been told by Daniel, as Daniel interpreted a dream, like, your kingdom's going to fall. Like, you better, like, figure this out. Like, your, your kingdom's going to come down. And his response to that was to build, this is 20 years later, right? So, like, his response to that, most scholars think, was to build this huge image of himself and to have this ceremony where he was going to make everybody worship him. This huge gold statue that he was going to make a, himself a god of his own kingdom and his own 
empire. It's the scene where Nebuchadnezzar rolls in. Isn't that how most people try to win? Like, oh, your defeat threatens me? I'm just going to power up. I'm just going to do more of me. There's a better way to get victory. That doesn't work. He gathers, he has his officials go out. They gather all of the important people for the ribbon, essential ribbon cutting of this new God he had created of himself and that how everybody's going to worship him. He gathers everybody around and all the leaders and the prefects and the governors and the treasurers and people that served in his court. There's just a whole bunch of people that he gathers around. He wants everybody who's somebody to be there. And they all stand before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. The, the king loudly proclaims, he has a herald loudly proclaim, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and a bunch of other instruments, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing fire. That sounds like trouble's coming. Trouble's coming for anybody whose faith is a big deal to them. Anybody who worships the true and living God, trouble is coming. And because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that king's court, they were, they were brought here before this for this crazy, weird, narcissistic worship service. They, they stood and they hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre play. All the music starts playing and all the people, it says, of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But, but not everyone. You see, at this point, some of the astrologers come and they tattletale. They're like, snitches get stitches kind of moment, right? Like, no, just kidding, forget it. I said that part. Like they come and they just tattle. They're like, hey, by the way, you know how like everybody bowed down, like everybody worshiped the statue. Great service, by the way. Great statue, except, but there are some, it says in verse 12, there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold. You have set up. Nebuchadnezzar is furious. His power just tested in this moment. He's enraged and he calls for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they bring him to it. And the king says, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? And instead of giving them time to answer, he just goes right in. He wants them to bow so down down to him so much. He is applying the manipulative kind of pressure. He just rolls right into their second chance. Now, when you hear the sound, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Here they stand, the trouble had come. Because of their faith, they likely had remembered some really important stuff. Like God, when he said, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm the one and the true God. 
Maybe they remembered in Deuteronomy passages they would have studied and known when God said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. The Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe they remembered what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 16.8, I will keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Their faith had prepared them for this moment. Their faith had defined who they were. You see, they knew that no matter what was going to happen next, that they were victors because of their faith. And so they stood there unshaken as they laid out one of the most inspiring, goosebump-raising confessions of faith and recorded in human history and even recorded in all of Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as the trouble mounted, as the threats increased, as the king stood before them, as the fire behind them blazed, they stood there with a beautiful and inspiring confession of their faith. It had a little confidence and swagger to it. As they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. It's a confession of faith, confident. It's a confession of faith with a little bit of swagger. You see, they knew who they belonged to. They said, I don't owe you. I don't owe you an explanation for, I don't owe you an answer to those questions. I don't belong to you. You're not my king. My king is God Almighty. I'm part of his kingdom, not yours. I don't belong to you. I don't owe you an answer. See, I remember. I remember who he is. And I remember who I am in him. And that, that'll give you all the confidence and all the swagger you need to stare down what seem like unconquerable circumstances with no way out of them and confess that your faith has made you a victor already. Doesn't matter what you do to me doesn't matter what threats you lay out, doesn't matter how scary or bad the news gets. I have victory because of my faith. It's who I am. And I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember who I don't owe an answer to. I'm going to remember who God is and who Christ is and who I am in Him. It's a confession of faith, a three-part confession like I remember who I belong to. I wish you'd make this confession of faith this morning. Put it in the comments. Post it on social media. Make this your confession of faith. I remember who he is. And I remember who I am in him. And then he goes on and it says, like God is able. 
But even if, that's the second and third part of this beautiful, inspiring confession of faith. I don't owe you an answer. I remember who I belong to and I remember who I am. God is able to do it. He is able to save us from the fire. He is able to rescue us from your hand. And ultimately, he will. But even if he doesn't, we're going to keep worshiping him. We're going to keep serving him. Because if I don't experience victory right now, today, in this moment, I still know that I am victorious. It's who I am. It's what he's done for me. It's a beautiful confession. God is able, but even if. God is able to wipe out this virus, but even if. Even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm going to keep worshiping him. I'm going to keep walking with the confidence and swagger knowing that whatever my circumstances look like, I am victorious through God. You can get me sick. My body may break down. God is able to heal me. But even if he doesn't, my faith isn't going isn't to swerve off course. My soul isn't going to crash because I know who I have placed my faith in and I know who he's making me to be. You can ruin my finances. You can crash my bank account. The stock market can destroy my retirement plans. But I'm still victorious. God is able to restore me. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to keep following him. Because I remember who he is and who he has made me to be. And I'm victorious. I already won. And I'm going to keep winning because of him. Make that your confession of faith. And don't keep it to yourself anymore. Go public with it. I'm done living defeated. Even if, even if things don't change, God loves me and I love him. Even if, even if things don't get better today or tomorrow or this week or next year, you can't steal my hope. I know I win and I'm going to keep winning because of who he is. Even if God is able, he will do it. But even if he doesn't, you can't knock me down. I want that to be my confession of faith, and I don't want to hide it. I want to walk around with that swagger, that like MMA walk-in. Play the music for me, please, because I already won. And you did too, if your faith is your own. The story goes, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He summons the strongest guys in the room. He gets like the biggest bouncers in the house, the guards, the, the warriors he had. He brought them close. He said, you strongest men, you tie these measly little Jews up. You bound them tightly. You take them up and you stoke that fire, man. Get that fire cranking. We're going to fry these dudes up tonight. Get ready. You're going to throw them in. They take the strongest guys. They take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible points out that they're still wearing their clothes that would become important later they're still wearing their clothes they walk up to the furnace the furnace is 
so hot it consumes and kills the strongest people in the country even before they push Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. As the strong guards die, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego fall into the fire. And as King Nebuchadnezzar leans in to watch the defeat of those who would defy him, he doesn't see three people in the fire. He sees four. And they aren't burned up. He leaps to his feet in amazement and he asks his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? Am I missing something? Oh yeah, you're missing something, man. You're missing that you messed with the victors. And you can't defeat them. Look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouts shadrach meshach and abednego servants of the most high god come out come out here they come out and not a hair on their head was singed not not their, their clothes weren't even burned up they didn't even smell like fire Nothing, completely shielded by the one who was in the fire with them. Nebuchadnezzar, he makes this profound decree of all the, to all the peoples at the end of the chapter. He decrees that all the people of any nation or any language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get destroyed. We won't go into it. And the king promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, an acknowledgement that they serve a God who is real. This is amazing, absolutely powerful moment. You see, when you stand in faith, you are a victor no matter what happens. And even if God would not have spared them in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew they were victorious no matter what. Their story ended in victory because of their faith. Because they remembered who God was and who they were in Him. They remembered what he, what he could do in them and through them. And they had faith even if He didn't do it when they expected him or hoped he would. It's an absolutely beautiful passage. And listen, when you find yourself with this confession of faith, you are never alone. You are in a really good crowd of people. A, a crowd of champions and victors who are walking and and. and fighting with you and for you. you. You are not alone. You are in really good company and maybe you're watching this alone but you got to know that if this is your confession of faith, we are with you. It's our confession of faith too and we're going to walk this journey out together and we're going to pick each other up when we need to pick each other up and we're going to fight for each other when we need to fight for each other. We're going to pray for each other when we need to pray for each other. We're going to encourage each other when we need to encourage each other because that's what a team of champions does and that's just who we are but more importantly you're not alone because you're not standing in the fire alone most scholars say 
this one in the fire with them is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself. God is with you in the fire. And he meant it when he said, you can be strong and courageous for I am with you wherever you go and I will not forsake you nor leave you. God is in the fire with you. Listen, it's time. All you got to do is one of two things or maybe even both. Put on the jersey. The t-shirt's been printed. Stop messing around with the idea of God and confess faith in who he is and what he has done for you this morning through the cross and the empty tomb. Give him your life. And if you want to know how to do that, if you want to know how to put the team jersey on that says victors through God, if you want to know how to do that, just hit us up with an email by hitting the connect button and we'd be glad to talk you through and answer your questions and help you. It's time. Get off the fence. Put the jersey on. Be a victor through faith. It's just waiting for you. Just waiting for you. Maybe... Maybe you've already done that, but you've been living defeated. Listen, it's time to re-up your swagger, even in the middle of these very difficult circumstances. You're not in this alone. God's with you, and we're with you too. You, you, it's time to wear the jersey around, to not just like put it on and then take it off and put it in the closet like some Super Bowl from six years ago. It's time to put the t-shirt on and wear it around. Walk through life with your faith in all your ways. Don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It's time to walk a life of faith with confidence that says God can, but even if God can do it now, but even if he doesn't, I'm wearing the jersey that says victors. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that we have victory through Christ and what he has done on the cross for us. Past tense, if we have been born because of our belief, if we have given you our life, if we have a faith that is our own and real, past tense victory, the shirt's been printed and it's ours, we win. And we also thank you that we're still winning, that we can enjoy winning because of what you're still doing in us through your spirit and what you're doing through us. We need to have that. We miss it. We miss that. It's something we got to know about us right now, something we got to know about us, something we got to know about you we, we miss it sometimes. It hits our blind spot, but we are victors through our faith and through what you have done for us. Would you steady our hearts, fill us with strength, help us to walk through these days with courage unshakable like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in front of the king as trouble comes Help us to have the confidence to say, God, you can, and we'll ask you to, but even if you don't, we are going to be found faithful, and victory eventually will be ours. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.